Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome back, and today we have John Butler from the Get Started Cafe. And uh, welcome, John. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me, Peter. Really looking forward to the chat. Okay, so let's start with your academic background. Where did you go to school? Yeah, that, that one started in the, the you know the lowly old days of, of post high school here in uh, St. John's. I went to Memorial University, and my my undergrad was in uh, engineering actually, but my uh, my career path took a bit of a different direction. Surprisingly enough, and I never thought I'd say it, but uh, I'm I'm back doing a graduate degree actually in uh, my MBA. So uh, I started that in 2016, and I'm slowly but surely making my way through the program, and it's been really interesting with the the experience I've had along the way. Okay, well, I have an MBA too, and uh, I guess what it taught me more than anything is problem solving, and yeah. in terms of. The actual courses, I don't really remember them anymore, but uh, that's the one thing I do remember. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting because I, I feel the same with both of my well, my my undergraduate degree and now in the MBA. Similarly, is is how to really look at issues that you face along the way, especially from a business perspective, and and what's the approach for trying to tackle some of those problems. Um, and a lot of that is having others to work with. So that's another very valuable thing that uh, education has taught me more than anything is the, the power of team. And surprisingly, it's what helped to influence a lot of my, uh, my career decisions. Excellent. I actually stayed at Memorial University a long, long time ago. It was uh, a track and field event called the Canada Games. Yeah. And so I got to uh, see the facility and use it. And uh, the people out there are just wonderful. And uh, you don't have the accent, but many others do. And I really enjoyed that accent when uh, I met these people out there. Well, get me, get me around a few friends and a few drinks, and maybe the conversation would change a little bit. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so let's talk now about your uh, work career. So you graduated from Memorial, and then you went to work reluctantly. <laughs> we can say that. No, but it, it's interesting, and I mean, there, there's some value in talking about what you get from, um, you know, your post-secondary experience, we'll say, whatever that is, because uh, that's actually what heavily influenced, towards the later stage anyway, heavily influenced my current, or I guess former career direction and now current direction. Um, but... You know, it, it, it's interesting because my, so I did engineering uh, with a mechanical focus, surprisingly enough, and uh, it was through that program where, you know, it was great. I had a cooperative paid work term program, so I had, I, I had six opportunities to work in a professional environment, and five of them were in oil and gas. <laughs> it's literally how I saw my uh, ca- career trajectory in the early stages. And given where things are now, it's funny looking back on where, where my headspace was. But it was in my final uh, academic semester that I had an opportunity to do an elective. Uh, and it was called Entrepreneurship for Engineers, <laughs> which I thought was, in hindsight, pretty funny to have that clear, distinct um, difference. But 
again, to the point earlier, it wasn't really the course material or the content, uh, but it was the, the awareness of different business challenges and problems that could pop up that spark new business. And uh, it, it, again, it wasn't, that was kind of an awareness thing, but it, the opportunity that came from that, which kickstarted my career, was there was this uh, uh, venture capital firm, actually, uh, that was looking for new business and engineering grads to start businesses in Ottawa. And uh, I, I thought that was really interesting because for any new entrepreneur, two of the hardest things to get are a problem worth solving <laughs> and someone that's going to pay you to solve it. And with this particular program that had an opportunity to, to apply to and eventually get it accepted into, solve those very things right out of the gates. So what happened then is, you know, and the question that I, that I asked myself even before going into the program is, is what is entrepreneurship, right? Uh, at the time, uh, I thought of it as just something that people did when they couldn't find a job. And which maybe part of that was true because I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, but uh, at that point anyway, um, and was largely fueled by a conversation that I had with my father uh, where I was coming back from my final work term, uh, working with an oil and gas company in the U.S. at the time. And I looked at him square in the eyes. This is April of, uh, I guess, 2007. Um, and uh, I said, I was like, Dad, I don't know if I want to be an engineer. <laughs> and my, my perspective at the time of engineering was in oil and gas. And, and uh, you know, I could go into another story about how that experience came to fruition. But, um, you know, I, I, I was entering into this world of entrepreneurship where at that point I had no idea what it really meant to be an entrepreneur um, and what it would actually take. But here in front of me, I had this opportunity to kind of go with folks that have been doing it for, for, you know, basically generations to get that uh, embedded experience and also have, again, the two hardest things, find a problem worth solving and someone that's going to pay you to solve it. Uh, so that kind of kickstarted the first three years of my professional career, which was in software development. Uh, so we built a, a software company. Um, and it was through that experience that, you know, I mentioned a little earlier about the, the power of team. And we had this little team of three uh, that moved from Newfoundland to Ottawa, you know, big city coming from small town, St. John's. And uh, uh, we had this big task ahead of us trying to figure out how to build an application that could be sold to, uh, uh, you know, large, larger uh, demographics than we were typically used to. So uh, here we were kind of trying to figure ourselves up. We had two mechanical engineers trying to figure out how to build a software application. Unfortunately, we had one guy get, that could help us kind of find that way. Um, but as we evolved and we grew eventually to a team of eight, uh, I started to see the dynamics that we were able to create, how effective we were at delivering on uh, certain, you know, outcomes we were working towards or certain product evolutions and, and, and releases. And that only really, I was only really in, able to get that clear understanding when we were eventually, we eventually sold the business to one of our uh, uh uh, lead customers actually, um, and part of the the acquisition um, terms were to transition the program and the project and, and the business into this large corporate structure. And here we were, a team of seven or eight, uh, moving into this you know uh, five six thousand person organization and trying to transition our product and processes and culture into this largely siloed organization. 
and I started to see over six months how slowly things move compared to what we were used to. So I thought here we were able to create a really cool dynamic. We, we not only got along, but understood our roles and could really perform together uh, in a really interesting dynamic way. And that was almost like hitting a brick wall when we moved into this larger corporate structure, which I found interesting. And it was that experience in itself, which more or less catapulted where I started to see myself moving throughout my career. And uh, once I finished with that, uh, 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 I guess, transition role, um, I found myself <laughs> more or less dancing around trying to figure out what was next and stumbled into a, a more of a, an IT consulting role and realized that's not what I wanted to be when I grew up either. <laughs> uh, and, and slowly started to see a shift in myself of moving away from this typical corporate structure and even high tech world, which I did enjoy, um, and started to find myself researching uh, and learning more about the social context of business. And at the time, under the, the, the guise of corporate social responsibility and what that meant and how we could get uh, 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 businesses with, you know, large, um, uh, the capacity to, to make change and to do interesting things. How, how do you, how do you build a system that could help them effectively, uh, do those things that, you know, obviously speak to their bottom line, but at the same time show real value to the community that they're aiming to serve. And, and this was just something I found myself loosely involved with. And if I fast forward a little bit, uh, when I moved back to St. John, so I, I, I left my previous role in uh, IT management. Um, we had a child at this point. Uh, so my wife and I and my daughter moved back to St. John's. This is in 2015, 2015, 2016. And uh, uh, I thought, okay, well, now here I am with a, a new perspective on things. And, and I want to find ways to uh, encourage corporations to participate in a positive way in the social economy. But at the same time, I, I, I understand the dynamic of a small startup team and corporate structure, so those things are totally disconnected. Uh, so I was very inspired by what if, similar to the challenge I walked into with Wesley Clover, this VC firm, saying, hey, we've got uh, a problem to solve and customers to pay for it. Why don't you come in and do it? Could we emulate a similar model uh, within a social context to organize people in a way uh, to look at problems in the world, uh, those that are important to solve and um, are important to others to be solved, but also important to those that are going to be solving them. Because I found myself in the, in the, the uh, software world is that I was solving a problem for someone else that I wasn't necessarily totally motivated to solve myself personally. And, you know, even though the team was, was amazing and worked well and had a great dynamic, over time I found my motivation eroding a little. Uh, so, um, that, that's where I was bringing all these perspectives to think, you know, how could we do that so that there are problems the world cares about, there are problems that the problem solvers care about, there are things that corporations with, uh, a capacity to make change, um, care about, and could all those things align together? And that turned into this idea of team startup project <laughs> where, uh, you know, we're, we're pulling world challenges together. Uh, we're, we're pulling motivated social change innovators together. Uh, and we're trying to connect those with, with corporations. And this was, this was back in 2016. And interestingly enough, I'd, I'd taken this idea to go through an accelerator, uh, here in St. John's and in, in Atlanta, Canada, known as propel ICT. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and through that, the, the, 
it turned into something completely different. So my, uh, uh, you know, desire to have social change and impact is different from what a VC may think. So the idea morphed itself. Uh, I pitched a, a great idea at the end, but it wasn't something I was no totally motivated by. Um, and eventually I uh, put things on pause for a bit and said, you know, maybe, maybe I need to just disconnect for a while. And some of that, uh, while that was happening, uh, had also gone to uh, a startup weekend. And um, uh, this is where I, I found myself in another industry. I didn't feel like I belonged initially. Uh, and uh, through that startup weekend where I was just going to find, you know, other like-minded people, co-founders, uh, to kind of chat about some of the things I cared about and, and see if maybe there was a project or initiative I could connect with someone. I didn't necessarily care about the ideas that were being presented or what I was going to be working on. I just wanted to meet with some cool people and, and work with some cool people. And that's where I met an awesome, awesome couple of folks uh, to start what the next business uh, I had called Luncheon. And that was a healthy food delivery business um, where eventually we, we morphed the business to be more subscription-based. Uh, so it was kind of, kind of like HelloFresh, but for prepared meals. And um, uh, just recently, actually, I uh, sold that business to a local charity um, where they were looking to evolve their social enterprise platform um, and needed and have food as, as one of those focus points. So uh, that was an interesting five years of, of having lunch and while on the side, trying to figure out what is this new thing becoming that, uh, you know, because at the end of the day, I, I want to work in a place where I'm working on important problems that matter to the world and matter to me and more specifically to the, to the local area that I live in. Um, and second to that, and singly the most important factor is working with others who feel the exact same way. That those two, when, when combined together, there are magical things that have happened. And with some of the side projects I've been working on over the past few years, that's when I found most excitement, motivation and, and, drive to really do things so that was as i was trying to manage and, and grow luncheon this little pocket of of energy was was slowly evolving you know having some ups and downs along the way but now that i've sold uh luncheon which actually happened just before the pandemic hit um i've been able to more or less clear my mind to focus on what what's in Forget about everything I'm trying to do. What's important to me and what? how can I do that most effectively so that I'm doing work that that makes sense to me, makes sense to others, and I can find you know a way for growth. So that's that's kind of where I am now with Get Started Cafe. Okay, that's quite a history. <laughs> and a few pivots along the way. So mm -hmm. now we get to your new business called Get Started Cafe. And where did the name come from? Yeah, that, that's been an evolution from Team Startup Project, actually. And I think the pause was necessary because Get Started Cafe, I, I like to think of as more of a metaphor, like the cafe environment. It's where, where people go. You feel like you're in an, 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 an um, like non-threatening environment, low risk. Uh, you're there just to enjoy yourself and have fun. And that's been core to kind of everything I've been trying to do. How can, how can you work on things where that the process is enjoyable? Because that's the most important part. You know, we start at the beginning and think, all right, we want to accomplish this big thing. And all we can think about is that big thing, not really appreciating that that part in the middle is the most important and hardest part. So if you're not enjoying that, 
then you know that's then it's it's going to be a lost cause because you got to be prepared to do the dirty work like when running luncheon sweeping floors mopping floors and closing things down but uh yeah, it, it, it started as a metaphor where you think cafe environment is where people can feel uh, most comfortable because it's when, when we're comfortable and feel unthreatened that creativity starts to happen. Um, and that creativity is core for any real innovative solutions that could make real change, especially sustainable ones, um, and being open to all sorts of perspectives. Uh, and given that cafes generally have a large, diverse group sets of people um, that came into the fold, uh, but, uh, you know, what it turned into is that when I first started with this, I was doing sessions and workshops at cafes. <laughs> so it really tied in interestingly. However, me as a, an org, Get Started Cafe as an organization never really had a place, but it found itself throughout the community in various different places, which was part of the message as well. And uh, the Get Started piece is literally just that. Uh, the hardest place in growing and getting any, any sort of business idea or, or innovation or, or project um, to a, a place where it needs to be is just to get started. And oftentimes, most of us have the hardest time doing just that. So this was the place to, to, to get started on something, and that could be as little as a conversation uh, to create a relationship that over time maybe morphs into something more real and tangible. So John, is this a membership organization or are you looking to set up uh, get started cafes in different cities in Newfoundland it, well this is where it's open because I'm I mean this has been an evolution for me personally and professionally and what it was when I first started was was the, that my model like could you could you grow it to various different cafes throughout the city province uh, wherever with a typical model that we'd run through, which there is a, a process. Um, and could that then translate into a corporate environment? Um, because that's the connect I'm, I'm largely trying to make is to get individuals that care about a specific community connected to the corporate world that hopefully care about the, that same community and then together united you know, do things. So that was part of the initial model is to offer this community more tangible thing that people could attend in a paid and unpaid environment, depending on what the structure would be, uh, but also find ways to connect that same model to, we could even think in terms of lunch and learns at, in, in corporate businesses, where it's more of a long drawn out uh, process of going from startup to, to execution um, and implementation. Uh, but now it's, it's, it's interesting because I've partnered with a, an ar a local architect who's had significant experience in grassroots projects and um, uh, looking at uh, sustainability as a major factor in building the built environment. Uh, so repurposed materials, reuse of old buildings, all, all that kind of stuff. And um, it was more like just a, a fun side pet project that, that we were working on together to look at, at old spaces. And, and over time, it evolved where we had uh, a, a much higher level conversation where how could we go into places that operate uh, buildings that have been underserved maybe in over the, over the decades, think of museums or, or churches or what have you, um, that for the most part in our experience, especially here in, in Newfoundland, is that uh, they find themselves operating in heritage uh, buildings. So there's there's more of a, a story that goes behind 
what what the building is as opposed to what's operating inside of it. So as, as I'm working on these, you know, workshops at cafes and, and chatting with this architect who is really forward thinking, forward thinking in terms of engagement and how people help to build place, uh, I started to see some alignment on, on what's happening. So Another one of these sidetracks. I, I think you could talk, call me the king of pivot. I remember one of the, uh, the the VCs that were in Propel that he had said to me, he was like, you know, you should be the CPO, the chief pivot officer. <laughs> whether whether that's true, you know, whether that's going to be a downfall or not, who knows? But uh, it's it's been an interesting because I've always had one mindset going into things is like I want to enjoy this process, so I don't want to find myself going down a focus point if I'm not enjoying where that focus is headed, <laughs> which again, could be a fault. It could be my downfall, uh, but I've been loving the process and it's been really fun for me, which is important. Uh, so here we are in, in a world trying to define a business model that's continuously changing. Um, but I'm trying to find ways to bring the, the work that I've been done into the fold and maybe throw, show some value on either side. So we've got this, this place setting model um, that's evolving and we've got this way to potentially engage people to build up that place model. Um, so now I'm at a point to maybe come into the question where the business model has turned into working with municipalities and charities that have a building or a, a space, we'll call it a built environment that people can congregate. And I know in COVID world that that's a bit more challenging on how that's delivered. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's become more project based and this is, <laughs> this is going to be the challenge going forward is how that grows. But, uh, really we look at a space, we look at the people in it, we look at ways to engage with them and find them, find ways for them to care about where they are, the place that they're in and how they can grow that together as a community, uh, using some of the strategies I've pulled together with Get Started Cafe, as well as some of the, the design and building, um, approaches we've got on the architecture side and unite them into one through uh, projects that could ideally and hopefully evolve into something that's maybe more sustainable um, as we grow the business itself. John, you want to take a look at another podcast I did with a company called Hero Works. Okay. Which is uh, really interesting. They, uh, th they do big projects and uh, they help nonprofits and charities and they rebuild their buildings. So it's a, it's a really cool one. That sounds like an organization I need to be in touch with. Yes. Before I pivot away, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> so three years from now. Yeah. What's your pivot organization going to look like? That's, that's the big age-old question. And um, one thing I'm very passionate about, Peter, is uh, education. And I think that's part of the reason why I found myself back in the MBA, to understand what's the academic uh, approach or what, what body of, of research is out there in the business world and how does that correlate to the way I see the business world. And that's been my approach and why I've been enjoying the MBA is that I'm able to either gut check my thought process, clarify it a little bit more, or maybe uh, challenge the, the material that's out there. Um, and apply it to some of the things I'm doing. So, I mean, the way I see three years is that I can sit here on a call with you and be completely articulate about what it is that we do. <laughs> uh, but the, the vision right now, and, and I mean, uh, I think uh, unity is, is a strong word. 
um, and something maybe that gets thrown around too easily, especially in the political world, uh, especially with, you know, what's going on maybe a little south of the border and the struggles that they're facing. Uh, but that's it. And, you know, maybe not unity. My vision isn't necessarily unity nationwide or, or, or globally, um, which are important things and important conversations. But my inspiration comes from unity of the place where I live. Uh, so unity in, in my city of St. John's, uh, unity in the region of the Avalon Peninsula, unity in you know, the, the province of Newfoundland and Labrador, and, and what does this place represent, not just to the outside world, which is important, but to each of the people in it. And, you know, we've got an interesting population of people. Uh, there are some interesting things going on uh, in, in the business community and, and with some social developments out this way. I think we have a unique perspective, especially given our, our history, we'll say, um, and how things have happened to us. So uh, I, I'd like to think we have more of a culture of survival if anything, um, where although we may, as Newfoundlanders and as a, a Newfoundlander and Labradorian, um, I, I think I can honestly say, you know, we are probably one of the friendliest places on earth. Um, and sometimes, though, you know, you talk to a Newfoundlander, the friendliness of, of, of communities, you know, there's a lot of bickering. And maybe this is just a this is probably a, a global issue. But um, there are some inner tensions within small towns and, you know, even even, you know, the what we have here, the townie versus Bayman um, conversation. You know, if, if you're from town, if you go town being St. John's, the city, the major city in St. John's or in Newfoundland, uh, if you go to a smaller rural community of Newfoundland and you're from St. John's, you, you'll get some flack. Um, but, uh, you know, there's this, this very interesting thing where regardless of that, if something bad happens, everyone unites. And this is a very interesting conversation going back to survival and struggle. We've experienced a lot of struggle. And, you know, even just uh, the reputation that we have as a province, you know, generally the butt end of jokes, uh, you know, the, the Englishman, the Irishman, and the Newfie type, type thing. Uh, which all fun and, and I think is great, but uh, you know we, we experience a, a lot of, of struggle and we survive and persevere. And what I'm driven to figure out is through our organization as we evolve, could we unite that in a way so that we're not just surviving, but we're really, I was about to say thriving, but I don't want to be necessarily cliche even though I said it, but we, we are finding ways to grow together. Um, and not growing together as maybe a province, but growing together as a small community of 200 through this single building that we're able to unite around. And, and then collectively, so maybe, maybe our little town uh, uh, has a different vision than the folks in St. John's, um, but we're able to grow this little town because we believe this represents X, Y, Z, and we're going to focus on this alone. And if we can attract people from other uh, communities or, or, or from, from the other cities in, in, in Newfoundland and, and abroad even, great, but we're going to focus on the growth of this town with the local uh, groups. And I think this pandemic has really shown some opportunity there with, with this whole notion of, of buying local and supporting local. Uh, but then collectively, that, that local unity really draws together this larger unity of place that we call you know, Newfoundland and Labrador, um, and then if our organi if, if Get Started Cafe can play a role in, in trying to make some of those conversations happening, happen and, and try to find ways for these, these smaller communities especially to come together to find their identity as a place and rally behind that, um, 
I think that's an important thing. Now, how that's <laughs> translated, I mean, CPO here. So there may be a lot of different direction changes as we go, but that's the vision, is that we're playing a role to make that unity a reality. John, talk about revenue streams. Yeah. How, do you, how do you pay for all these things That's, that you're well, actually, up? Actually, it's interesting. So we, I think we have a very unique model. Um, and this has evolved over the last six to nine months especially. But let's just use a municipality as an example. Um, one recent client, which we've been testing uh, a, a new revenue model, was that we basically put sweat equity into a town. Uh, we spent the last better part of the year trying to identify some opportunities for a, an old building um, in this place. And then eventually after six months uh, of basic level of unpaid uh, analysis, found ourselves to this entry point so that there is an exchange of money, small marginal amount. Um, but what it did is it, it gave us a, enough to cover costs of going to this place um, and being there, not really to cover our salaries or income, um, but we were putting sweat equity to prove to these smaller communities we care and that we want to build that level of trust that's needed, especially if you're encroaching upon their place for, as an outsider, uh, especially being from St. John's. Um, so we go in truly carrying out a place, and that's important to our model, is making sure we're not going into a place we, we don't see opportunity or, or really care about as a space because we know it, going in we're going to have some sweat equity. Uh, and with that sweat equity, uh, we have this gradient stage. So let's just say $500 a month for this first entry point. And that's just for us to be there and maybe coordinate some activities that, that evolves into a, a monthly fee. And it goes as high as you know $5,000 a month, depending on the grade. But uh, our approach at the early stage is because we put all this sweat equity in, we're, we're looking at the greater picture. So we're looking at capital projects that, you know, at a, at a pilot stage could hit numbers of, you know, let's say 150 to 250,000. But then uh, by graduating up the stages could maybe get to a larger project of one to $5 million. And, and what, how we're looking at beyond that, that basic entry point of low cost of entry, uh, and then, you know, depending on the types of services you'd need, maybe graduate up a little, a few levels. But what we're really doing is, is <laughs> maybe being uh, professional grant writers uh, to support these communities for capital projects that we then manage and, and take a larger fee as a project management um, uh, with a project management service. Okay, Mr. Uh, CPO, <laughs> you, you have quite a story to tell. How do people reach out? to uh, connect with you? Yeah, the best way to reach me right now, so you may have noticed if you ch went to the domain or website is that we've taken it down, uh, mostly because it's it's still at a point where it's evolving. Um, but email would, would be the best. It'd be J-O-N, John, at getstartedcafe.com, G-E-T-S-T-A-R-T-E-D-C-A-F-E.com, or on LinkedIn. And I'm just linkedin.com slash butlerjohn. Okay. Well, thank you very much for an interesting story of uh, being a CPO, a it's term a I haven't heard before. <laughs> yeah, it, it'd be nice if that was a paid position for any aspiring <laughs> uh, pivoters out there. Well, thank you for your time this morning. My pleasure is all.